Welcome back to React Native Radio Podcast. Brought to you by Adorable Labs. Did you know that Adorable Labs produces over 80% of the cute kitten content on the internet? Well, now you do. Episode 260, Unpacking React Native 0.71. I don't think I'm ready for this, Robin. What? Ready to make a podcast? Well, I'm never ready to make a podcast, but I'm really thinking about tomorrow because my son turns 18. He's going to be an adult, which is crazy. What? He was like a kid just yesterday. I know. Well, you joined us when when did you join us? Let's see. 2017, beginning of 2017. It's 2017. So he would have been like 12. 12, yeah. 12 or 13. Yeah, in that range. That's a big difference. Yeah. It is it's it's just a it's mind-blowing and <laughs> it's just it's a different phase of life. I don't know. Uh it I don't know if I'm ready for it. I mean, my my kids are almost four and one so i have a, a ways to go before i hit that phase that's a different phase of life too wow <laughs> yeah that's like a lot of physical labor mm-hmm. you know a lot of like carrying kids around <laughs> a lot of that sort of thing we were just we were so just talking anymore. about how when your kids are toddlers you have to hold them down and physically brush their teeth for them i know right and then when they're older it takes them 10 minutes <laughs> And you can't, you can't make them do it, but they take some 10 minutes when they do. Yes. My nine-year-old just takes forever. I'm just glad she's doing it, but that means that we're like, she misses the bus all the time and I'm having to drive her in. I don't know. My, my parents would have never stood for this. I get to, I get to see this every time we record because Jamin gets his kids ready for school and then comes straight at the podcast. So I always get to hear stories of how crazy his morning was. Just someday I'll, I'll rant about how parents drop off their kids at school there's no i'm not a road rage person i'm not a person who gets mad in my car but that's one place that is the exception that proves the rule i get so mad in the parking lot there like anyway i'm not gonna do it right now we'll be here all day <laughs> mark's probably already stopped listening <laughs> <laughs> he's got that skip forward button uh, you know like ingrained in him well we do have a lot to get to so we should probably get to that i am Jamin, your host and friendly CTO of Infinite Red. I live in the beautiful Pacific Northwest with my wife and for now, four kids. <laughs> I, I guess you can still call them your kids, even when they're not a kid. Three kids and one adult. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I play recreational hockey and I drive my tractor whenever I get an excuse to, which has not been very much lately. It's It's been parked, but I did move it around recently. I had a tree, uh, like a tree fall on my shed and i had to move it oh yeah it was, it's been super windy recently i'm joined today by my innovative co-host robin mazin is out sick today robin is a senior software engineer at infinite red she's located west of portland oregon with her husband and two little kids who she still helps brush their teeth <laughs> and has specialized in react native for the past five years and i should also mention that this episode is sponsored by chain react 2023 chain react is back and you should come Go to chainreactconf.com. It's a React Native conference that just is React Native. That's all there is. Just all the talks are about React Native. There are hundreds of React Native engineers there. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we haven't done it since 2019. So you need to come. Uh, we're really planning something special this year. So can't wait to see everybody there. All right, let's get into our topic for today. 
React Native 0.71 was just released. So our topic is unpacking React Native 0.71. I'm not sure if we'll actually do the clickbaity title, but we thought about putting in all caps, TypeScript by default. <laughs> That's really the headline. Yes. I mean, they used that headline themselves in the release blog. So yeah, exactly. It's valid. It's a huge deal. It is a huge deal. This release is full of huge deals. I agree. And has really good documentation, right? Mm-hmm. I was uh, just reading through the all the release notes and everything for this one. I kept being super impressed by how well everything was laid out and explained. Like, this was the problem. This is what we did to fix it. This is who it's going to affect. Like, very, very well done from the documentation side. Yeah, and I, I got to give a shout out to Matt Carroll uh, from Meta, Nicola Cordy from from Meta, uh, Nick Gerleman from Meta, and Lorenzo Sandra from Microsoft, who put together the release notes in the blog post. They always do such a great job, but this one, I think they're they're really kind of hitting another gear. So let's let's start talking about it. Let's talk about the TypeScript by default. You know, just right off the bat, let's let's get right that, into that. That's really the headliner here. It is. It's this the biggest deal, and and Meta has always used Flow internally, or they I guess in the past, I don't know seven, eight years use Flow internally. And so moving the open source library part of it to TypeScript, it feels significant to me. It feels like a big yeah. deal. Oh, yeah. It's like it's an endorsement. They use the term investment, which it is like they're they're putting their money behind TypeScript and really putting their stamp on it. Yeah. And and I guess what does this mean? You know, what, what does that mean? Because obviously Ignite, our boilerplate has come with TypeScript forever. So you can use TypeScript with React Native already. I think what it really means is that the when you spin up a brand new React Native project, you'll get a TypeScript app by default. You'll get a TS config JSON. Uh, your IDE will you know will kind of recognize all of that, and it'll be working. And also, the TypeScript declarations will come directly from React Native itself. Correct. React Native itself won't be written in TypeScript, though, as far as I know. Is it not written in TypeScript? It's not. The actual javascript parts of react native it's uh it's javascript and uh, i think it has flow types mm -hmm. and you can still like if you're a flow user you can still use flow the the biggest difference will be that the flow configuration will not be updated with the template anymore mm -hmm. the react native repository itself will still contain the flow config so you just have to grab it from from there and move it over manually yeah that's right and i mean the the amount of people using flow has been stagnating or, or dropping every year it seems like so uh it really this is sort of them admitting that like at least publicly you know maybe not internally at meta but publicly outside open source that typescript has won that battle and they're gonna let react native kind of go with the flow <laughs> <laughs> go with typescript <laughs> go with In the typescript <laughs> so yeah i mean from our standpoint obviously we use ignite anytime we're creating anything we can uh so it comes with typescript di by default but but i think this this does it just sort of sends a, a pretty strong signal right it it's more about the effect it'll have on the community and you like you have people who maybe weren't making a conscious decision one way or the other about whether to use typescript or javascript and then like react native gives you javascript by default you use javascript so this is going to just mm -hmm. increase the number of people using and being familiar with typescript which is only going to be a good thing my opinion i gotta say i would never have guessed that the javascript community would embrace types back in the day like when i learned it they were very proud of their lack of types totally like that was their bet like they're like we we don't have types and we like it that way 
<laughs> I'm a big TypeScript fan, so I'll I'll like disclaimer this before I say this, but there are times where I just kind of miss the sort of hack it together, you know, <laughs> days where you just kind of throw things together and, and you're not having to satisfy this overly pedantic yeah. compiler you that's throw always things you. together on a whim you just hack it together and then you spend a whole day figuring out why your app won't load and then you realize it's because you i will say <laughs> the the software that i built that lasted the longest was stuff that was built that way back in those days and a lot of the stuff that anyway it's it's all that's a whole get off my lawn discussion <laughs> that we don't need to go into uh i do love uh, typescript i think that typescript um everybody probably knows my my opinions by now but we have a whole episode we will link it in the show notes but we have a whole episode about about how much we, love we do we love it and uh you know it, typescript is one of those things that just needs to be a help and not a hindrance and so if you have not bought in yet on typescript go listen to that episode i think it'll give you some some food for thought mazen was actually a a convert from that episode yeah. he used he did not he didn't work at infinite red at the time but he used that episode to get his boss to agree to implement TypeScript in their, <laughs> in their app. And then he came to work for us. Send that so. episode. Then he came to work for us. That's what happens. <laughs> We're creating new TypeScript evangelists. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the only thing in the release, though. What, do we, what else do we have that's exciting, Robin? Flexbox Gap, which if you're familiar with CSS Gap at all, which you probably are. If you're not, CS Gap, CSS Gap has been around for quite a while and it's a property that lets you specify a distance between ch child components within a parent rather than having to specify a margin on each one which is a headache but that property which has been in css for a long time i don't know how long but a long time is now also available in react native flexbox which is amazing and has been asked for for a long time one of the most highly requested features just because it's so useful mm -hmm. if you've ever tried to lay out like a list or a grid and you're like well i need them to have margin but then i don't want them to have margin on the outside i only want them to have space between each other and you have to be like okay margin right if you're on the left side and margin left if you're on the right and it, yeah it's annoying so this yeah. is very very welcome and will be very useful so I was talking to a friend and he, at his company, he handles the component library and design system and it's cross platform. So it uses the same components for React and React Native, web and mobile. And he said that on the website, of course, he just uses CSS Gap. But when he actually is implementing on the mobile side, he has to use all kinds of different views and, and styling and a bunch of logic to make it work the way it should. So he said when this lands, it's going to allow him to remove a lot of layers of, of views and, and styling and whatnot. So I think that's uh, that's a good thing. It just gives us a, a very useful tool to, uh, you know, lay out our, our, our views and, and all the elements and components that we need to do in the right way. This really falls right in line with, with something that the React Native core team has been trying really hard to do, which is to add better alignment between the various platforms. And this is just one more step in making the APIs between mobile and web more aligned, easier to share code. They're really focusing on that as a, a long-term goal. And this is just one more 
one more step in that direction. Yeah, totally. Along those lines, there are some web-inspired props coming in to kind of build that alignment for accessibility styles and events. So uh, that web compatibility is continuing to, to narrow. Mm-hmm. We can see that in the future, there's going to be moments where you're going to have very, very aligned, very, very similar, maybe exactly the same code between React Native and React. And I think mm-hmm. that is a goal. Also pointer events. I, yeah. I think pointer events is big because obviously you don't need those for, for touch screens uh, or touch only screens. But pointer events are useful for when you're sharing code across platforms. Definitely. Uh, On the accessibility side, they added ARIA props, which if you're if you're a web developer, you're probably familiar with ARIA props uh, for accessibility. But they added them basically as an alias to the existing React Native accessibility props. But the fact that you can now use the same names and the same API between them is is really significant. So sort of the same thing with some components like image and text input. They added props and changed some prop names to better align with the DOM prop names for the equivalent web Mm. components. Like um, on image, they have alt, tint color, cross origin, height, refer policy. There's a few others. But just across the board, trying to make web and mobile more aligned in terms of the names of things and how things are referred to. So we did an episode a little bit ago about the discussion post that the core team put out and one of the big themes throughout that or one of the biggest issues that they said they were going to address was this so it's really nice to see them sort of taking that and like actually making good on it and and uh, we see that in the releases so can i have a a hot take on this (laughs) am i allowed to yeah (laughs) i i will acknowledge up front that this is a lost battle and the way they're going is the right way to go as of now um but i really wish i really wish that React had become more like React Native, not the other way around. <laughs> <laughs> With that said, I acknowledge there's no way you can fight the whale that is web. I mean, web is web developers control the world. Yes. And that's an unfortunate reality. It's true. I mean, everything, the web is what started it all. Like, we, yeah. we wouldn't have React Native if we didn't have web. Like The whole problem, I saw the tweet recently, and this kind of put it all into clarity for me. The web really is two platforms in one. It's a document platform and it's an app platform. And it really was a document platform first. And so mm-hmm. everything that you do is kind of built around supporting these two things. Somebody invented JavaScript and the world was forever changed. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Brendan Ike. Um, <laughs> the, the problem is like, <laughs> like documents really do have different needs. You know, you need like classes and cascading styles totally make sense for documents. It's a totally great way to build websites. And honestly, there's still a lot of them. I mean, it's, this isn't, we're not talking about like old school websites way back in the day. There's still plenty of document websites. You look at something, even just going to like CNN.com, that's a document website. That's not an app. There are plenty of, there's a lot of like interactivity and dynamic content and all of those things. I'm not saying it's not a they're they're equal they're not they're not like it's not below apps but apps have different needs like when you have an app where you are spending a fair amount of time writing or or interacting and using the app rather than consuming content then the needs change a bit and the way that the uis work are are way different they don't flow the same way the the styles don't have to cascade the same way and i have this like half-formed thought that like on mobile I would even say like Flutter developers and React Native developers think more alike than React and React Native 
developers mm-hmm. in some ways, just because it's totally different platforms. Mobile being very much an app platform. It is not a document platform in any way. It is an app platform. And so because of that, we think in terms of what serves apps and web thinks about in terms of what, what serves documents and then apps. Mm-hmm. So it, that's where the kind of the culture clash comes in. However, we've lost this battle. Uh, web is just way too big. You can't, you can't deal with that. So, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna be building in document, uh, paradigms into our app platform. I mean, we tried is that hot enough. take. We tried pretty valiantly. That was a pretty hot take. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> we'll have to, I don't think we'll I'll tweet have to put it, that in a teaser, get people to click on the episode. <laughs> All right. We we're only through what three, four of these. Uh, we should probably keep moving along. What's the next one, Robin? Um, restoring prop types. Which, when I read it, I was like, what? Why would you Why would you go back why to prop back? types? You just made TypeScript the default, which is such a better solution. <laughs> why are you bringing back prop types? And then I realized it's basically just an undeprecation because a bunch of stuff broke when they uh, downgraded it from deprecated to like just like gone. So they put it back. So it's still deprecated, but it's, it's, it's in there again. So stuff isn't as broken. Yeah. If you're not familiar with prop types, it was their system for for typing component props years ago. Yeah, it was like pre widespread adoption of typed JavaScript. Yeah. So it was very much a like uh, we, we need we need some type safety here with these props. Uh, so let's right, it was like adding types, but it was like just components. So you could specify yeah, like the props, the props yeah. in your components were strings or and it was runtime or whatever. Yeah, it was runtime, not. Not build time, compile time. So, yeah. Right. So you would still have to run your app to find out that you had defined your prop types wrong. Anyway, it was in the past and TypeScript is much better. Yeah. But it's in there again if you are having errors about prop types being gone. Temporarily. Temporarily. <laughs> it's going to go away. It still will go again, away. The so. community just needed some more time to fix. To adjust, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the the developer experience improvements the react dev tools in particular have gotten some upgrades there's the click to inspect uh, allows you to click a button and then click on a component on the simulator which is actually super useful um i like that a ton again making mobile more like web it is (laughs) in a good way that's a that's a pretty good that's a pretty good feature that's a good one yeah we need better debugging tools which by the way we are investing a bunch of time into reactatron version 4 should be coming out at some point here and we are doing some planning for version 5 so just a little plug for reactatron i know there's a lot of you users out there the opposite of that where you hover over something in the inspector and it highlights it in the simulator is also a feature that came to uh react dev tools that's really cool. cool that's really cool yeah i i would love at some point to try to build in React Dev Tools into Reactatron. Um, that's an that's an option. I don't think it's super far fetched. I don't I should probably shouldn't talk about this stuff publicly until we've actually had some conversations. But the cool thing about it is then you could just have Reactatron be your full experience. You mm-hmm. don't have to have Chrome open. You don't have to try to try to connect through all this stuff. Reactatron just ha- handles everything. Obviously it doesn't handle all the stuff that Flipper did, uh, but you know, like that that's a whole nother ball of wax there. Yeah, we won't go down that rabbit hole. We won't. <laughs> uh, Hermes. So Hermes became default in 70, uh, 0.70. And then in 71, the one we're talking about, uh, they are upgrading Hermes uh, with improved source maps, better performance on JSON.parse, which is actually a really important thing because that happens a lot 
you know, you're using JSON.parse a ton. Mm-hmm. So performance optimization that it improves it up to 30%. That's a that's a pretty significant imp- increase. And also string.at, typed array.at, and array.at, uh, which... So the dot .at just lets you specify an index? The dot .at on string or uh, array objects allows you it's a lot like the square bracket notation where you Mm -hmm. would just put in square bracket zero for the first item or five but the difference is that with normal javascript arrays if you were to put square bracket negative one it thinks that you're looking for the index at negative one but with at with dot at parenthesis negative one it will just simply go to the end of the array Mm. so it gives you the last one or if you want negative three, it'll grab the third from the last. Oh, so I didn't know that. It just allows kind of like, yeah, it's it's sort of. I don't know why I thought you could do that with square that, bracket notation, but yeah, you can't. <laughs> um, that's I, I think kind of a flaw in JavaScript, and you know, it's something that other other languages do have. You can do a negative uh, notation to to count from the right hand side of the the end of the the array. I mean, you could write your own in like. 10 seconds you know (laughs) a dot at but at least it's built in now there are some new architecture updates as well yep there's a whole bunch of new architecture updates if you're if you're using the new architecture already or thinking about it the first thing is reduced build times so they moved to using maven central which lets them store a bunch of pre-built artifacts on maven central and so you don't have to spend build time compiling those these are things that almost never change right. so there's no point in rebuilding everybody rebuilding them thousands Every and thousands time, and thousands yeah. of times across all these machines just build it once download it and you're done so that's a big improvement also they're making a lot of changes to reduce the amount of native code that you're exposed to or need to change or update in the template itself so when you init a react native app it comes with a bunch of native code they're trying to reduce the amount that there is and move whatever they can back into the framework itself so that you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about changing it when upgrades come through. You don't have to worry about configuring things or potentially having things break. So they're they're really trying to simplify the experience. In as of this version, you do not need to add any C code in your app in order to enable the new architecture, which you did before, and it was error prone, I think or it introduced some errors if it wasn't done exactly right. And so this makes it a much more simple experience. Yeah, I like this a lot. It really makes the experience better. And in fact, actually, Frank Calise, one of our developers here at Infinite Red, did an upgrade to Ignite as a sort of test uh, to 0.71. And he said uh, he was just deleting a lot of (laughs) native code. He was just deleting Mm -hmm. a lot of it, which was really cool. And that gets moved into the React Native core, which means that upgrades later should be easier because they can make those changes internally and we don't have to go into our apps and make those changes. Mm-hmm. They still leave the door open to customizing those things. So you can you can certainly make the customizations you used to, but uh, but by default, you don't have to. I think based on the, the feedback that they've gotten a lot, which is that upgrades are painful and difficult, they're mm-hmm. really putting effort into, okay, what do we put in the template how do we take things out of the template that are unnecessary and and really expose only what you really really need to to make your app work and like con- like the stuff that you do need to configure will expose but then remove everything else because 
if it can be updated in React Native itself, then that makes it so much simpler for us to just like increase the version number. And then that like brings in all the changes without having to manually keep track of the diffs and, and make those changes ourselves. So they're really, really focusing on that developer experience. Yeah, I love that. It's great. Moving on, I, they, they're getting rid of async storage. So it's been deprecated since 0.59. So that's a long time ago. Really? That Wow, has it been that long? That long. It's been deprecated. And they're finally saying, okay, we're ripping this out. So yeah. it's gone. If you haven't already moved to the community async storage, you should. Or even alternative async storage libraries like uh, MMKV. MMKV. Yeah, exactly. I predict it'll still cause issues. <laughs> it'll probably be so like many, prop types uh, where they put that, it back in. And uh, <laughs> we need more time. We'll see. We'll see. A few other things, uh, better stack frame collapsing. I like this one. Uh, so it shows your code more often rather than internal React Native frames uh, when you get an that. exception. That's another one that was mentioned in the in the, in the the yeah. discussion post was error stack traces. Yeah. So it's really, really nice to see like direct improvements based on feedback. If you need a, a reason to upgrade to 71, this is a good one, in my opinion. Android template improvements, much less code there. That's kind of similar to what we talked about before. And console logs still show up in the console, even if they're ignored for logbox, because those are really two different things. Like logbox, you don't want things popping up in your UI, but who cares about the console? Like let it <laughs> let it flow out there. And they also removed masked view iOS, which I don't think um, was, you know, that was iOS only anyway. So uh, mm -hmm. they're kind of going away from any sort of platform specific components. So general impressions, and I'll go first here. I think every release should make React Native just a bit nicer to use. Uh, I'm I'm glad to see the the focus on developer experience here and uh, narrowing back to you know kind of narrowing the the gap between React Web and React Native. Dev tools getting better, prop types coming back so that uh, you know the the developers don't have to deal with kind of annoying annoying problems. Faster build times is huge. Less C plus plus code, less native code in general. Better error stacks. You know, of course, FlexGap, TypeScript by default. In my opinion, it's moving in the right direction. This is a very good release. I think that moving to 71 as soon as we can is a worthwhile thing. What do you think, Robin? So my overall thoughts, absolutely jam-packed release. It's been, it's been a long time since I was this excited about a release and everything it had to offer. I think there's a ton of evidence that they're really listening to the community and what the community has been asking for and acting on it, which is really really great to see and i think it's i think this is a must upgrade yeah i think so too well i think that's it for this episode uh we have some really amazing episodes coming up in the future so stay tuned of course honestly uh really excited about a couple of these one that we are going to do i'm going to do a little teaser and uh it is about maestro and we're going to have some people from the maestro team on this one i think is going to be a lot of fun maestro is a competitor to appium and detox so end-to-end -end testing, and it's sort of taking the mobile world by storm right now. Yep. We've talked with the the, the team there at Maestro. We actually have some uh, connections over there, and it's they're, they're just doing some really exciting stuff. So definitely stay tuned. Subscribe to React Native Radio. You can also join our Slack community at community.infinite.red. We have over 2,000 React Native developers there. Where can people find you on Twitter, Robin? I'm at Robin underscore Hines. You can find me at Jamin Holmgren and our show Twitter at React Native RDIO. If you follow our show Twitter there, 
You won't miss an episode. As always, thanks to our producer and editor, Todd Worth, our assistant editor and episode release coordinator, Jed Bartoski, our designer, Justin Husky, and our guest coordinator, Derek Greenberg. Thanks to our sponsor, Chain React. Check it out, chainreactconf.com. A special thanks to all of you listening today. Make sure to subscribe on all of the, on all of the major. I don't, I've read this, I don't know how many times. <laughs> and I think I've noticed it before. Why would you, that, you know what, actually subscribe on all of the major pa- podcasting platforms. You don't, you only have to listen to it on one, but you know, we like the numbers, right? <laughs> we are React Native Radio. Robin, do you have a mom joke? I do. This is courtesy of Carlin. So Carlin, if you're listening, thanks for the joke. What do you call a knight who is afraid to fight? I don't know. Surrender. <laughs> and with that, <laughs> we will see you all next time. Bye. Bye.